Welcome to Berenson Bond Podcast, episode 101. We're in the triple digits now with your host, Corey and Diego Berenson. Hello, Diego. Hello. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. You too. You too. Yeah, thanks. So as of late, been putting in a lot of time on the track, the go-kart track, putting in some hours. We've got a maintenance day coming up, do some engine tweaks, Mm -hmm. but I would like to know what it's like now that you've practiced, we think, 12 times. We're going to keep that log book in our toolbox so we can keep track of this, but you've probably practiced 12 times. We went from thinking about it, looking at it, watching other people do it to finally acquiring it, to finally getting the gear, to finally putting time in. It's a whole evolution. What's it like for you? You're the driver in the road. I'm just supporting, checking the tire pressure, engine, making sure it sounds good. What are you thinking? What's it like for you? I don't know. It's hot. It is hot. Um... When do you feel the heat the most? When we go early in the morning. Because that way, then we start getting closer to noon. And noon is when the peak of the hot, like, heat hits. Versus when we go in the afternoon. Do you it, feel, g- it gets hot to cool. So. Do you feel the heat as soon as you put on that fire suit? Not really. Mostly when I'm out in the sun for, like, 30 minutes straight. When you're actually driving, does it feel hot or are you distracted Eventually. from driving? Yeah. I mean, I don't really pay attention to it, but when the sweat starts coming, then yeah. Do you feel sweat dripping next to your eyes Sometimes. while you're driving? Yeah. Just got to keep driving? Yeah. Do you ever come off the track because there's sweat pouring down your face? Not really. It's just I need to like, pop up in my visor real quick but it is what it is so after you do like 15 laps in a row do you feel your arms more tired or your legs or just your whole body i don't know it starts being like oh i'm getting tired it's like my arms and my legs and constantly pushing on your right and left foot over and over and over for like 30 minutes straight <laughs> kind of hurts if i'm not gonna lie because you're going as fast as you can well not really that but like resistance on the steering and plus just pushing the pedals the pedals are light as a feather to push yeah but if if you do that like 50 times per lap or per session yeah it kind of gets sore so yeah so the good thing is all the races are still races don't start until 6 p.m which is when it's going gonna start getting cooler yeah because i like to go when it's hot then let it get cool yeah. versus going cool then get hot so i mean i i like driving you know but that's what i think we're gonna do next so for your first official race we're not we're not gonna go in the morning we're gonna go probably after lunch good meal rest get there check in with the mechanic on site and then let him he's going to put new tires that we have that we got from used tires from that other track and then let him because you know there's a transponder which 
tracks your speed, right? Not the thing in your steering wheel that keeps your own track of your speed. There's an actual transponder that the tower records everybody's speed. So we're going to have to rent one and they attach it to your seat. And then that's how they know where you are, how fast you're going, who passes who, and they have all, all that. So they need to add that on there. And I think that's all you need. And then they're going to weigh you. They're going to weigh you in the cart on the scale, right? So they need a grand total weight driver and car. And then they're going to do a test on your fuel. They dip your gas to make sure you didn't try and cheat and put some higher octane or like additive that makes it faster. Then they're going to check to make sure all the locks are on the engine. Dang, you don't know what little kids are getting into. So, so, you know, those little clips that seal the engine closed, you're not allowed to open it. So they check all those locks. Then they check that your carburetor has a lock. Then they check that you have the correct slide. So they might actually open it, look at the color of it. So your class is a blue slide, which means you can go only... Like 50 or something? I think 55, maybe? I think it's 50 or 55. Something like that. But they Not check. 60, though. So for your class, they have to look at the actual color of the governor's slide. Say, okay, blue, check. Put it back on. Lock it. That has to have a lock. Then, so it's the fuel, carburetor lock, the engine is locked, and the weight. And then you're allowed to drive. So all that's going to take about an hour before the race begins. And do I need to be with the person like checking? Yeah. So we're yeah. So everybody has already done it. This will be our first one. So we'll be there early. So they go. You take your cart over there, get in it, and then they do all the tests and they make sure okay everybody's fair. There's no cheating. Everybody's same engine. It's just same gas. Driver now. It's all about you. Yeah. So then it's more. So I learn, I'm learning the only real thing you can tweak to make your engine run better. It's all about the carburetor. Serious? Like you, if we dial in the carburetor just right, that's where you get, that's the only place you're allowed to to find a sweet spot and tweak is because like, so we, so there's all this science about how much fuel and let in air, air is getting in that carburetor. And you, if you just have just the right amount. I mean, the teeniest difference is the difference between horsepower and miles per hour. It can go slower or faster depending on that perfect mixture. Yeah. And everybody has a little bit of something they feel out, like, you know, three turns out, three turns in, put the needle all the way down. No, 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 leave the needle all the way top. I don't even know what those things mean. The guy yesterday told me wh- how to set it. But that's one person. Someone else told me a different way. I guess everyone just finds their own sweet spot. Then. So we, so we're gonna eventually learn the science of that carburetor. We're gonna have to like go out for like probably more hours than we've gone most of the time just to find each little spot. Yep. So you know, so just like science, you want to nail down one variable, right? So to, to know exactly what's working, you would have to have your airs exactly the same, exactly the same gas know exactly how you set your carburetor, then do like five laps. Then you turn it a quarter of an inch, a teeny bit, do five more laps. Did you notice a difference? Is it faster, better? So you do everything the same, but you only change one variable. And you say, oh, you know, it felt kind of weird when I floored it on the straightaway. 
I don't know. That's where you find out the differences. Yeah. So there's a lot of details, but are you excited about it? Are you nervous? You ready? I'm just trying to feel what it's like to be wheel to wheel. Because every time we've practiced, it's just me on the track. So there's no one beside me, no one I can really feel pressure from. It's more about me finding my own path or whatever throughout the track, not trying to find, not trying to stay away from the cars. I can't do that because there's nobody else, you yeah. know? And I'm not saying I don't like out being out there by myself. I, I like it probably better. It's mm-hmm. probably better for your practicing, but I also need to know. Like, even if I get last, I get slow slap. It's more of I need to know. Like, I need to know what it feels like to be wheel to wheel to find how, like, where I need to be comfortable or whatever, you know? Because everybody out there probably has done a race, like, two or three times or whatever, you know? Yeah. And they already know that feeling of being right next to someone Yeah. versus me. You know, everyone has their first race, right? And either most of the time their first race, they've already had wheel-to-wheel racing versus me. I haven't, you know? Unless if it's, like, trampoline, like, I don't know, like amusement park go karts or something. But you know, well, on that one track in Dallas, you were close to those other kids. Yeah, that wasn't a race race, but you felt what it was like to have people close to you. I mean, right? You felt you at least got to feel like two people driving close. mm. You knew they weren't gonna ever bump you, but you, they got real close to you on purpose to let you have that feeling. Mm -hmm. But then this time will be different because it'll be all your age class. As well, and I'm sure all of you guys, nobody wants to bump into each other, and nobody wants to crash. So more likely, people are going to crash because they don't want to. Because they're going to avoid each other. Exactly. So if you know the perfect line, or you know the line, like, "Hey, on this turn, I like to go do this," but there's a car in front of you, just do it. You can slow down so that you can still hit your line, and then just try and pass them on another turn, or you can say, "Like, how close can I get?" To the how I like to take that turn, but also be close to that car and not hit it. Yeah. That's just experience, I'm guessing. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the race, but yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, you're going to do good. And it's going to be evening. It'll be getting cooler. It's going to feel nice. I'll bring all the fans, the ice, ice cold towels, water whole this lot time of water. even if it gets cool even if it's just us on the track even if we're going at night we still got to pack all that that yeah. it's just on the trailer yeah i don't know i brought one towel well because every time we go it's always in the evening when it's cool so we never need that tarp yeah we never now when we went it was like so hot it was really hot but well now i know so that's why when we're leaving everybody else is just showing up because they're actually gonna race so that makes sense but we went early because we're not staying for the race yeah and it's kind of good to go early, but I mean, really, if you're just trying to practice, but like on Saturday or something on a race or whatever, mm-hmm. it's more of kind of like you can like meet other people. Because if you go early before any race starts, like not even my class, but like any class race starts, it's more of like you're practicing and then you meet other people over there, you know, because there's not that many people too. Yeah. And everybody's still helpful. Like Yeah. It's all like yeah. a big team or whatever, you know. And we found out some guy helped me figure out that noise. So on maintenance day, when we take your clutch apart, I got that that little metal snap ring he gave me. 
they both said, yeah, that's going to fix all that noise, which makes it run better, which may improve your speed, you know? Yeah. These little, this little teeny tiny $1 ring could make all the difference. And that little teeny tiny chapstick size special royal purple lube that he gave me for the bearing. He even tells me like, oh, only put on the inside. Don't put on the outside. Because when it heats up, it goes to the outside of the bearing. And bearing is, imagine a circle and on the outside is a bunch of cylinders. And that's what spins around the middle. And if that's not lubricated just right, it might not spin as fast, which might affect your speed. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm learning. I don't know all this stuff, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. So that's racing. Now you're a big seventh grader. You're a huge... You're in the middle of the middle school. Yep. What's that like? I don't know. It's... You're one weekend? So far, it's... Honestly, kind of, I don't know. It's a little better than sixth grade. Because sixth grade, I don't know, there's like just the boys group and the girls group. Mm-hmm. And all the sixth graders knew each other. There's like, I don't know, 26th graders or something. You know, so there's like all the all the girls would hang out, all the boys would hang out. But we all like knew each other. Yeah. And, like, and then, then it was like nobody there, basically. You knew everybody, right? And... And then now in seventh grade, there's probably more sixth graders than anybody on campus, to be honest. Yeah. You know, there's so many new people coming in from the previous campus, from new schools, from everywhere, you know. And then now all of a sudden we have two new buildings, too, or whatever, seven and eight. But, I mean, you I'm like, kinda, I'm do you like it, seeing a whole bunch of new faces? I mean, that it's growing. I kind of want more people here. To be honest, like, I kind of like the small environment. There's also a point to where it's, like, two people in a class, you know? Then it just kind of gets, I don't know, you know? It's, it's good to have people, and, I mean, I'm kind of liking it. So how many kids are in your classes? Ten? Let's see. Twelve? Uh, I don't know, like, Can four, you count? eight. Is there any class know, like with six. less than ten? No, 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 no. Every class less than 20. Probably. But, um, I mean, yeah. One class maybe has, like, I don't know, 15 or something. That's What's like your tiniest class? My smallest class. Uh, um, I have to say either history or science. History of science? Or actually, no, no, no. Um, science or photography. Those yeah. are both How like, many is in photography? I think photography is my smallest class. So I was like, so all the, like, most of all the, my seventh grade friends, so I see it's like me, or should I include myself or no? You should include yourself. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Like nine people. Nine. That's pretty small. <clears throat> but you're gonna learn some cool photography tricks. Not They're really. Teach you it, some. I thought it was gonna be like they're kind of teaching us photography. I mean, she's kind of teaching us photography, but like it's kind of like she's like doing 
they used to do like art or something. It's like photography slash art class. Correct. Because but, photography is an art. And you're only one week in. You've had it two classes. You've only had it twice. It's been one week. But yes, it will totally, I'm imagining it's going to be a mix of that because you have to look, and she probably said this, maybe, the square that the photo is being taken in, you frame it, and she's going to probably teach you how to frame it, just how you learn the ants view, right, which is cool. You took some cool ants view photos, put the camera low, aim up, gives a totally different feel than if you're looking straight down or straight at it. It just gives more dimension. So you're going to learn well, some I thought cool we were, tricks. Yeah, I don't know. It's like... Mm. We'll see how it goes, but I think you're going to end up liking it pretty good. You love taking photos. No, I don't. You love it. You love it so much. No, it's yeah. mom. It's your dream. It's mom. You no, love ta- How about mom. you love taking good photos? No. Maybe not taking dream. photos all day. That's mom and Emma's dream. Yeah. They just like taking it all day, but you like taking good no. photos. Not really. I just did it because I haven't done anything else. Okay. Well, that was like the coolest thing that sounded good. Well, you know the difference between a terrible looking photo and a great looking photo. Or you can at least have an opinion like which one are better than others. If I showed you five photos, you would say some are better than the others, potentially. I mean, everyone could probably do that. Exactly. And the more someone thinks about how they're shaping the photo is going to make it look better or worse, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Now that you're a big, giant seventh grader, you're almost bigger than me. Your your feet are almost bigger than me. I think you're going to outgrow me by eighth, ninth grade. Should be bigger than me, probably. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be weird when you're looking down at me? Hey, little tiny dad. Yeah. Think you can push me around, huh? Mm, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. You're going to shoulder bump me? Yep. Boss me around? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, so I've been reading this book. I'm not going to cover the whole book because I'm not done with it. I'm 25% in. Oh, my God. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. The author is Ray Dalio. Is that the one this, where he sends his 11-year-old boy to across the world by himself? Correct. He sent his 11-year-old son to China to live with the Chinese family for a whole year because he wanted him to immerse himself in a totally different culture and adapt one learn mandarin but also learn what it's like to really be in that culture because his father knew china would be a very big part of the global future and there's in his opinion it'd be no better way to actually immerse you learn it by living there full time he went to a chinese school where nobody spoke english so it's full immersion No one's even saying, hey, let me translate. What the teacher said is this. Everybody's speaking Mandarin. It'd be like if I sent you right now to live in China for a year. It would be really hard and confusing. Did the son agree with that? He didn't really have a choice. I mean, he's saying, he's like, this is in your best interest. It's a great opportunity. You are going to like it. It's a very nice family, which it was. So his dad did business with those parents and knew them, their friends, so he knew he would be taken care of. 
But the biggest part about it is he wanted him to go away so he force can. himself to learn Mandarin, to learn the mannerisms, to learn the culture, to learn about the people. So in the beginning, it was obviously very hard. He doesn't know what anybody's saying. He doesn't know anything that's going on. He can't really. He couldn't talk to anyone. Why would they send him to school if he's just gonna fail all of his classes? So that's the thing. They know they're not worried really about your grades at that school. There, it's really about learning the culture, learning the language. Was the point? So if by the end of that school where grades don't matter, so grades don't matter, and he wants you to to learn the culture. So by the end of the year, he had his friends. He could speak Mandarin. He totally adapted and learned the culture, and he also was ex- exposed to the poverty in some places. And so when he came home a few years later, when he was sixteen, he thought, you know, I really want to help those kids. Who have such, who have nothing, living in poverty over there in China. So he created his own nonprofit company to raise money to help kids in China. And now that he's a grown up at his company, working with them, he he created he grew that company. But he helps his company work with China, and because he knows the language, he knows the culture, he's actually able to do it better. So he helps people that are poor. And he also helps his company grow because he knows how to adapt to that culture because he lived there. Kind of cool, I think. I think that's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy, and he does he does write in the book that he really had to convince his wife that this was going to be okay because she was thinking, "You cannot send our son to China for a year, knowing nothing." And he said, "Yes, I can. It's going to be awesome." It's gonna be great for him in the long run, and the big point is, you should not be afraid of doing something super hard in the short term. That's, that's gonna help you in the long term. In the bigger, bigger picture, sometimes something's very difficult right now. You're in the situation, but if you deal with it, you adapt, you learn, you take the positive parts from it, it will change probably the rest of your life. You don't know, but it's a good experience. So I just want to tell you a story because we're sending you to China tomorrow for a year, and your bags are packed. They're actually in my trunk.、Mm-hmm. And don't worry, we're gonna we'll video, we'll brave talk. Once you know, once a week, I have a scheduled one hour chat with you, but the rest of the time, it's you're in China. So I hope you're excited. I wanted to catch your reaction right now. Are you ready? No. Okay. Well, we're sending you anyways. That's kind of what he did to his son, but the son already knew the family, and he's like, "Yeah, I like that family, but I have to live there." Yeah, you got to live there. I mean, a year though. I mean, a whole year、of. takes time.、It、takes time when you're immersed in a different culture. So speaking of that, Uncle Two is in Vietnam right now. Why? Because. He can stay right on the beautiful beach. Wait, no. Why is he there, though? I'm gonna tell you because he can stay on a beautiful beach, just as pretty as a Miami beach, in his own apartment. Yeah, he, he bought for, an apartment. Yeah, you rent an apartment. Oh, for just a couple hundred bucks a month, a beautiful beach in Vietnam. 
How cool is that? You know why? Because he's traveled all over from being a colorist and he knows that the world is much bigger than the United States. There's very beautiful places that don't cost as much and there's beautiful people that are nice and helpful and they're also just as competent as us here. There's a lot of amazing places on earth. This isn't the only place. I don't know if you didn't know if Dang, you were aware really? of that. That's yeah, crazy. I know. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. There is other places on the globe. I don't believe that. So I love Thailand. We're yeah. gonna try and go there. I know. I know. I love I know. that area. I love China. Yeah, I know. Thailand. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I know. Your Tia? Yeah, I know that. Got yeah. family in Vietnam. Yeah, I know. You know? Tio went yeah, to Vietnam. That. It's cool, right? Yeah, I know that. So that means yeah, we're gonna go there. I know. Okay, check this out. You love clothes. Yeah. You're much more stylish than me. Yeah, I know. You can go have them custom make clothes for you for the same price as buying clothes here, but it's a hundred percent custom. I want this material, I want this print, I want this style, this cut, this shirt, this long sleeve, this suit, this pants. And they will make your clothes exactly how you want it your own style how cool is that he just ordered a whole bunch of clothes for the same cost as here and he's not paying them less he's actually paying above what they normally charge that's crazy that's crazy i think it's cool my best shirts are from thailand i'll show you i had them custom made i went to a shop and i picked the material even though my favorite shirt is the one where the stripes go sideways because most stripes go up and down because when they print the long rolls of material, they make the stripes go down the long ways. And so that's the, so when you make a shirt, you use the most amount of material and the stripes happen to be going up and down, right? So when I said, this is cool, but I want the stripes sideways, they didn't want to do it, but they said, you're going to have to pay more because we're going to have to use more material because it's going sideways. It's not as long. So we're going to use more material to make this shirt than normal to make the stripe sideways. And I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's party. I want it because I feel like it's unique. It's hard to find shirts where stripes are horizontal. And then now I knew why. I have one. You got one? Yeah. Okay, cool. They go like that and that. Yeah, I want the one only going horizontal. So I'll show you my blue shirt. That's weird. I think it's cool. And then on the collar, you know the little points mm -hmm. on your on your on a collared shirt, it has little points. Yeah. Well, I wanted them to cut off the little points at the tip of the collar. Why? Because I could. I said cut them off. I don't like them. I want it just flat right there. Why? I don't know. I just thought it sounded cool. So yeah, they're like, yeah, no problem. We don't. Sure. Hey, that's your jam. You want to cut off the little points on the collar? Sure. That's easy. So that's like my thing. That's my signature. So when I have all new collared shirts custom made, I'm going to cut off those points right there. Why? Why? Why not? That's why. I would. Okay. What would you do? I don't know. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, and part of this book, I want to read you. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it no. won't be much. So, in this book. Well, you say that, this then read guy, like 50 pages. I won't because I didn't get that far. 
But I will. I will next time. I'll oh. spare you. Look, look. I still have this much to read. Two hundred more pages to go. How much pages is that book? This book is about five hundred forty pages. And how many pages have you read? I read a hundred and where am I? I read a hundred and fifty. Not bad. That's that's a lot of pages for a book. All right. So speaking of China, this is what he did. He went, and by the way, this guy. Did he fly by himself? This guy created out of his two-bedroom apartment. It was when he started. Who? This guy, Who's Ray, he? when he was young. Wait, is that the dad? That's the dad. That sent the son. dad that sent the son. Yeah. The dad started. He had an idea that he wanted to build this incredibly new better investing company and he wanted to do it differently when he's created it in his two-bedroom apartment in his spare bedroom his teeny apartment and over time he kept using computers ability to process what he wanted so he, he would think of what he wants it to do then he would tell the computer okay run all those tests for me and spit out an answer because he knew they could do it faster than him so he just kept doing that over and over he created the biggest hedge fund company on the planet, meaning he managed tens of billions of dollars all around the world from countries, governments. He had a system. And you know how it got so awesome? And did he take all of their money and run away? He took it all and he made it grow into more. And so they said, hey, you, that's cool. I'd do that for me, too. And everybody raised their hand. That's cool. You with the big brain over there in the computers. Do that. I have five bucks. Can you make it a billion? He said, yeah, probably. Bring it on. But the cool part is he all in this book, even in the first two chapters, he keeps saying, yes, that's true, but I am a human. I got problems. I got to face all my shortfalls. Dang, really? I got I got problems, and then those problems got super big. This is how I dealt with them. And that's the cool part of this book. He's like, I'm trying to do this awesome thing, and then boom, here comes problem number 25. How am I going to deal with it? I'm trying to do this, and then boom, here comes another problem. How do I deal with it? So he wrote down principles like, okay, here's my problem. If I race cars, I'm getting a flat tire on turn five every time. That's a problem. What do you do? Do you go blow up turn five with a rocket? Yeah. With a, with a rocket launcher? Exactly, yeah. Do you just nuke turn five? Yes. Do you Make it like, instead of ten turns, make it, make it nine turns. Do you just go to the track and cut off turn five because it's a problem for you? Yeah. Do you go and rip the asphalt up and yeah, say, guess what, guys? No more turn five. Who else would do that? Because I'm getting a flat on turn five. Yeah. Obviously, who? What, what? What else would you do? Okay, that's one way. That's what I would do. Right, just ruin the chance of anybody racing because you have an issue. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's one way. Mm -hmm. That's one way. Yeah. Like so, in football, if I can't catch it, if I can't make the catch, rocket nobody launcher. Nobody can. Just slap it you out of there. You just torch the field just on fire. Slap the football. If I can't catch it, nobody can. So you're just going to slap the ball out of everybody's hand? Yeah. Because you can't catch. Exactly. Okay. That's okay. how it works. That, so that would be your principle. You yeah. would say, because I can't catch the ball, 
I'm going to smack it out of everybody's hands and nobody's catching the ball. You know what? I'm going to deflate the ball yeah. and step on it. I'm going to cut it in half with scissors and that's Stuff what we're playing. Stuff it with plushies. Stuff it with plushies and then punt it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't that what, isn't that what everybody does? Yeah. What's, what's the problem? Why is everybody making a face? Because I did all that to the football. It's I not know. a big deal. It isn't. I had these plushies. They were in my pocket. <laughs> what do you think I was going to do with them? Not stuff them in the ball and punch yeah, it away. But I did. <laughs> and I'll do it again. You do see my bag on the sideline? I got more. I will yeah. cut up your other football. Oh, you have another football? I will cut <laughs> that one up. Me. I will crush it and stuff it with plushies. Yeah. Isn't that what everybody does when they get mad? Yeah. And then 20 minutes later, while you're in the sitting on the floor in the middle of the football field, cutting the football up and stuffing it with little tiny stuffed animals. <laughs> Mid-game. <laughs> Mid-game. Everyone's looking at each other. Someone says, well, I guess, is this the halftime show? Yeah. Should we? I'm going to go get a drink, but what's, is is that, are they, what's going on right now? I'm <laughs> yeah. thirsty and confused. I want to watch, but I'm, I'm super hungry. I love popcorn. I don't know if I want to stay <laughs> because there's no TV. If I go get a drink, I can't, I don't know what to do. This is so cool. I don't know what's happening right now. And why is no one stopping this kid? <laughs> He's very comfortable laying on his stomach, cutting up this football in the middle of the, f- the field. <laughs> he has all the footballs from both teams. <laughs> he just took their duffel bags, <laughs> ripped it open. And the got coaches, my- one's mad but confused, and the other one's sitting down. I don't know where. What, where am I? Where am I right now? And are they going to keep playing with the plushy football? Yeah. We should talk to that kid. Yeah. That's you. You did that. That's so cool. I know. How many times did you do that? I'm so creative. How many games did you do that? Oh, like all of them. Man. How, every single one, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I miss a catch, and then I ruin the whole game for everybody. So. Where do you keep your scissors? Oh, everywhere. How many pairs do you have? Oh, like hundreds. Wow. Yeah. No problem. You just carry a duffel yeah. bag of scissors? Mm-hmm. Interesting. All the time. Why, why not have just one really good pair of scissors? Because why not have a hundred? Huh, guess, I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would never run out and be like, oh, I don't have, uh, they don't work. But pff, I've got 99 more scissors. Yeah. One of them's going to work. Yeah. Is that well, how Is you- Is the rest of this hour podcast going to be talking about me stuffing clutches <laughs> in footballs? <laughs> hey- I'm just talking about facts. You well, did are this. You making, are you making? Uh, we're still continuing on this example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's fun. Why not? Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll move back. Okay. Do you remember well, we're? Oh man. Dogs are like humans. The dogs are sleeping and dreaming. He's and they're, twitching everywhere. They're twitching on their legs. Where's your phone? <laughs> yeah, when we record podcasts, both dogs are laying right here. One stretching like a camel. The other one's dreaming and twitching his legs. <laughs> And he's up. Now he's confused. Okay. All right. Well. All right. So wait. Now back to the book. Finally. So, like I was saying, the okay. dad. Back to the dad. Yeah. 
he went to visit some other super high government official, his buddy, to talk about world events. And he brought all these books to give his friend. He's like, oh, here's a stack of books. They're really awesome. Just like me. I love giving books to people. Yeah. It's great. I know. So he, and I added these to my Amazon list, by the way, but this one book he talks about a lot is a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. So he loved that book so much that That's he reads it a lot. Yeah, a thousand faces. Like how many? The, does how, each one like smile and frown and make a serious face? Let's see. So let's do the math. If your one face on your face right now can make like a happy, sad, confused, but maybe you can make ninety faces. And if you have a thousand faces, that'd be ninety times a thousand. So really, you have a nine. So this is like ninety thousand faces. Yeah. Okay. The hero with 90,000 faces. Yeah, so he has a, it's a big part. So the hero is like, what is a hero? What makes a hero? That's the premise of the book, right? Like to you, what, what, if I said, what's a hero? What would, what do you think? Batman. Batman. No, uh, like, I don't know. Someone who has a cape and has superpowers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Super tight tights. Yeah. Superpowers. Wears underwear on the outside. So that makes you cool. <laughs> it does. I mean, you're superhuman. If you put underwear on the outside, of your on the outside of your pants, you're cool. You're super cool. You're really cool. How much should I give so my friends I would to like do that to on order, school day? Yeah, I would like to order you super bright boxers to wear on the outside of your pants. And that would make you super cool. Yeah. But uh, it's probably someone who's willing, I don't know, to risk it, risk something for the good or whatever. The good of everyone, not just himself. Yeah. Like you, someone who would be willing to risk whatever, but for a good reason. I agree. I mean, what else is there to say? I agree. So he, uh, there is a lot of that in there for sure. So quoting, he said, so I'm, I, this is part that I'm highlighting. He said, uh, him and his friend usually talk about conversations on the principal level, like, oh, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to you? What's but that? speaking of heroes, Did he you... wrote, yeah, big clouds. Okay. So he wrote, quote, Unattainable goals appeal to heroes. Capable people are those who sit there worrying about the future. The unwise are those who worry about nothing. If conflicts got resolved before they became acute, there wouldn't be any heroes. So what he's saying is, so the first part, unattainable goals appeal to heroes. So heroes look at something that looks totally impossible to everybody else. There's no way that could happen. I'm out. A hero says, that looks awesome, and I'm going to go after it. So it says, capable people are those who sit worrying about the future. So if you're worrying like, okay, how can I take care of this? How can I plan for this? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? That you're capable because you're thinking like, I want to prepare myself for whatever is going to happen as best I can right the unwise 
are those who worry about nothing. This is the, everything's fine. Everything's fine right now. It's going to always be fine. That's cool. I'm, it's all good. Let's chill. Go get a hammock, take a nap, just relax. It's going to be this way forever. Everything's awesome. Everything is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So then it says, if conflicts got resolved before they became acute. So if you're worried about exploding on the go-kart track. Yep. And I fixed your, like we adjust your tires every single time. So we never found out there was actually a bigger problem. Right? So basically I took care of it before a bigger thing ever happened. No, there would be no such thing as a firefighter or an ambulance or there would be no reason for anyone to be prepared to deal with disaster because everything would just get fixed all the time and nothing bad ever really happens. So no one has no idea how to deal with an explosion because everything's cool. But guess what? Explosions happen. And there needs to be people that can deal with super crazy acute problems right that's the heroes they come in when disaster strikes who do, who comes to save the day batman powers are overrated <laughs> all right so i'll read a little bit more heroes inevitably experience at least one very big failure which campbell the author of that book calls the abyss or the belly of the whale mm-hmm that tests whether they have the resilience to come back and fight smarter and with more determination. If they do, they undergo a change, a metamorphosis, in which they experience the fear that protects them without losing the aggressiveness that propels them forward. With triumphs comes rewards, right? So if you're brave, you're going to risk racing wheel to wheel, you're going to triumph, right? Mm-hmm. A triumph is like, I'm going to go through something difficult because on the other side is a reward. Like, I feel good. I feel more accomplished. I did something really tough. And that feels good, right? Regardless of what happens, you go through something hard. You feel good after, right? Like when you cut up those footballs on the field and you confused everybody, you felt great. You felt amazing. You confused everyone, and it was hilarious. How much should I pay one of my friends to wear underwear on the outside? You should pay a friend ten bucks. <laughs> no one's gonna say yes. Or Twenty bucks. bucks. Twenty bucks. I'll, I'll pay him. Twenty bucks. Yeah, twenty bucks. But it has to be bright color underwear or boxers on top of your pants for at least half the day. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Twenty bucks. I, I would pay someone to. <laughs> so that's called the hero's journey i will save you from the rest of these notes because i really want to thank you i want to digest them and then really cover a good hundred and maybe 300 pages with you yeah and what about the movie we saw tell me about that movie so if you haven't already watched the new movie the gray man Go watch it. Right it's now. crazy good. It's like probably the best like 
action scenes I've probably seen. By far. It was crazy, so go watch it right now. The Gray Man. It's uh, it's free on Netflix. It's out. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Go watch it. Turn the sound up. Yeah. Those battle scenes are ridiculous. They're insane. And it's funny, and it's action-packed. Yeah. It's all, all of the above. It might be my favorite action movie right now. Probably. My first race is in two weeks. Officially, it's scheduled. Yep. If you want to come support, just go to the Hill Country Cart Club on September 17th. And you can watch the competition go down. It will not be televised. Which I wish it could. (laughs) No one really televises carts. Not really. Only the... Europe. Like championships in Europe. Europe is like huge with go-karts. There's a lot of countries. I'm going to do some homework. There's well, yeah, but like I'm talking about Europe is like For huge sure. with them. Yeah. But, all right. All, all right. right. Well, we covered everything. Be healthy, y'all. Yep. Oh.